So, Dave King, our executive pastor, is going to come up now and deliver the message. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. But I do have a confession to make to you today. You were friends here, right? Today? Well, I have to confess to you that I'm a lousy plumber. I really am. I mean, if we have a plumbing problem around our house, my heart just goes from my chest down to my knees. You know, I'll get started on a plumbing problem and I'll start working. Then I realize I don't have the right tools that I need. So I have to stop what I'm doing and go all the way to the basement and get the right tool and bring it back. But then when I have the right tool, I'm always messing up what I'm working on. Some of you could relate to that because you're going like this. It's like I have the right tool and I'm getting ready to adjust something and then it breaks. A few years ago, I was working on a plumbing problem and I have the right tool in hand and I start twisting a little bit and water just flies everywhere. So I'm I'm panicking and I take off my shirt. Why? I don't know. (laughs) But I took off my shirt and started wiping the floor and I thought, oh, I need to get to the main water valve. So I ran down the hallway and got to the main water valve, shut it off, came back, was standing in the hallway, just dripping. What I failed to tell you is that this happened at a church I was working at, and so I'm standing in the hallway, soaked, no shirt on, and there are all the administrative assistants going. (laughs) Right tool, really didn't know how to use it. You know, not having the right tool when we need it or not using the tool properly can be a problem. Whether we want to be carpenters or plumbers or chefs, car mechanics... And having a tool, even a spiritual tool, and not using it properly can be a problem. And that was the situation for a church in Corinth that had all of these tools, these gifts. And I'll be using those words interchangeably, tools and gifts, throughout our time together. And so we're going to look at this situation in the city of Corinth and listen to some advice from the writer Paul about how to properly use these gifts. Two weeks ago, our senior pastor, Van Cochran, uh, opened us with a series on developing a prophetic culture. And if you have not heard that podcast, I would strongly recommend that you listen to it because it's going to set a foundation of where we're heading over the next several months. Basically, to live in a prophetic culture means to view ourselves as carrying God's presence. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he fills us in order to just carry his presence And that we have the privilege and the responsibility of taking the life from heaven and extending it here on earth. It's what God has called us to do. That's part of our job description of following him. And our very lives, our actions and the words that we speak, that if we're Christ followers, we all can prophesy. And a simple definition that Van gave us of prophecy is this. Speaking the message God wants given at the moment to an individual or a group of people. And the goal of this prophecy in New Testament times, as well as today, is to encourage and strengthen and comfort. The church in Corinth that we're looking at lived in a prophetic culture. But Paul was noticing that things were very messy. 
And he writes a letter to instruct people, hey, there are spiritual gifts. There are spiritual realities that God wants us to move in day after day. And that the source of these gifts is the Holy Spirit. So imagine for a moment to get into Paul's thinking that you live in the city of Corinth years and years ago. You're in a city that's a very large city. There's a huge port there, so there's lots of activity. There's a major highway system moving north and south throughout the country, and there's just a bustle of people. And within the background, within the church at Corinth, there are people that have followed the Jewish God, the one true God of Israel. There are people that have followed the Greek gods and goddesses that are coming into the church. There are people that have followed idol worship. And so you have all these people coming together with different expectations and different viewpoints. And Paul is going to address the people with those different viewpoints. So listen to these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. They'll also appear on the screen behind me. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. So why are things so messy in Corinth? Well, keep in mind there are a number of people coming from worshiping idols, worshiping the Greek gods and goddesses. And what the viewpoint of each of these individual gods is that this god had a, a unique gift or a specialty. So this god may have the ability or specialty to be the god of language. Or this goddess over here is the goddess of love. You can laugh. There's the God of language that all universal language and harmony is all filtered through this God. And this God is the goddess or God of wisdom. And so you have all of these different gods and people will begin to pit this God against the other God. Almost like this cosmic battle of the gods. So this person in essence would say, well, my God is better than your God. Well, no, my God is much stronger than your God. Well, my God is smarter than yours. And so there's this argument that's happening. Along with this type of thinking is the thinking that the more creepy and bizarre and weird you can be in a worship service, the more spiritually in tune you are. That was part of it. There was, it was uh, an ecstatic activity where it was creepy and weird. And so with this mindset, people are bringing their past backgrounds into the church with the expectation that, hey, these spiritual gifts can get really strange. And Paul was saying, wait a minute. There is only one true source of the gifts. And the only source is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is one that brings unity, not division. Is that he brings the gifts together in harmony 
in order to encourage and strengthen and comfort people. So it's really important that you get that. And Paul goes on to say that the Holy Spirit moves throughout our, our gatherings. That the Holy Spirit may come and touch this person with a gift. And then the Holy Spirit may come over here and touch this person with another gift and stir some other things. Or the Holy Spirit may come back to the back here and touch this person or that person. While there's different gifts happening, it is the Holy Spirit that is bringing it together in unity to encourage and strengthen the gatherings. So when you meet together, all of these beautiful gifts can be in operation. And Paul lists nine gifts that we just read about. And in the remainder of our time together, I'm going to give a definition of each of the nine gifts and give some illustrations of how we can use them in day-to-day life. They can be in operation within a church gathering like we're gathered together today, or they can be used on the street in our everyday existence. So there's some things to keep in mind as we look at these gifts. One of the gifts that I'm talking about today are situational or in-the-moment gifts. They're like that tool that we pull out of our, our toolbox when we need it. Now, there are other types of gifts listed in the New Testament that are constitutional gifts, that are those gifts that stay with us ongoing, that's just part of who we are. And in the weeks to come, we'll be talking about those constitutional gifts. But today we're focusing on those in-the-moment gifts, the situational gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. All of these gifts are prophetic in the sense is that they see or reveal the spirit realm. So they're all interrelated. They're prophetic in nature because they see into the spirit realm. Next, they can occur within the context of the church gathered together or in our everyday lives. So those are some really important concepts to to base our time together on. And I credit John Wimber, who was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, for many of the definitions that I'm going to cover. Now, John taught a class on spiritual gifts that was hours and hours long. So I have 20 minutes to take his material and pull it together. So you're ready to go. So you may want to take a deep breath because we're going to cover a lot of ground. I also should apologize ahead of time for those of you that are like myself that like to take thorough notes. It's like you're sitting there like, what is he saying? Are you writing furiously? I just apologize ahead of time. But listen to the podcast to get the... The definitions. Okay, take a deep breath. Ready, set, go. Message of wisdom or word of wisdom. A message or word of wisdom is God revealing things from his point of view. God revealing things from his point of view. One pastor says that the word of wisdom is sharing something that sounds too good to come from us. Have you ever been in a situation or conversation and you're talking and then you just share something? It's like, Wow, that was really good. I said that. You want to write it down? Well, that's an example of a of word of a wisdom. And Jesus used a word of wisdom in a conversation that he had with religious leaders. Jesus was in a setting with his friends and some people hanging around, as they always did, just to learn from him. And some of the religious leaders decided, hey, let's try to trap him with something. Because if we can get him to say something damaging about the Roman government, then he will be in a lot of trouble. 
So the religious leaders go to Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, I have a question for you. Is it right to pay our taxes to the government? And so you have all of these crowds gathered together and you can just kind of feel the tension going in the room like, what's he going to say? And Jesus says, hey, you, you have a coin? Just show me the tax money. Toss him a coin. He looks at it and says, so whose picture is on the coin? And everybody says, Caesar's. Because Caesar is the leader at that time. He said, okay, so that's Caesar. See, front and back Caesar. So give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God's what's God's. So we hear that, it's like, really? That's the word of wisdom? I mean, that's just kind of obvious, right? But keep in mind, in that particular moment, in that setting, the tension is huge because depending on what Jesus says, there's going to be a riot. Depending on how he reacts, it can be unifying or divisive. But in that very moment, in this situation that required some, some problem solving, it just dropped in. This gift happened for Jesus that just melted away the tension. Does that make sense? So the word of wisdom is going to be very helpful in situations where we're approaching some problem solving or difficulties, where we need insight. Next is the message or word of knowledge. And we talk a lot about words of knowledge around here, so this one's a little more familiar to many of us. But a message or word of knowledge is a fact revealed about a situation, it's a fact that's revealed about a situation, where the person that is sharing it has no previous knowledge. It's a situation in which a person sharing the word has no previous knowledge. And words of knowledge are handy in helping find things or providing instruction. And words of knowledge have a way of just opening the door for an outpouring of God's love into a person's life. So an example. How many of you have lost your car keys? There's a few of us out there. Yeah, it's okay. I, I was honest with you. You can be honest with me today. So what's the first thing you do after you panic? It's like, oh, I've lost my keys. It's like, oh, God, oh, God, help me find my keys. Show me where my keys are. Please help me. Help me. Where's my keys? And you, you're just quiet for a little bit. And then it's like this matter of fact, well, go check your pants pocket or go check that drawer. And you go and find them. Have you had that experience? That is an example of a word of knowledge is that it becomes just very matter of factly. It happens in the moment when you need it. And it's almost like a butterfly landing on a flower, that it's almost that unnoticeable. That's often how words of knowledge will come. Ways that we can receive words of knowledge, uh, there are a variety of ways. One will be pictures that come into our mind from nowhere. Words that drop into our minds but are not part of our logical thought process. Impressions, just kind of that hunch that's energized by the Holy Spirit. You just kind of know, you kind of, you feel it. A physical experience. Say in a conversation, you're, you're talking with someone, and there's this pain that just happens, often called a sympathy pain, that is not actually your pain, but maybe the pain of the person that you're speaking with. There's an inner knowing I just seem to know something without knowing how or why. Or speaking. Words that seem to tumble out of our mouths just as we're speaking. 
So all of these are ways that we can receive the gift of words of knowledge. Several weeks ago, when Steve Shogren, who was known for his kindness outreach, was here teaching, and we did an outreach on that Saturday, and I was participating in the food outreach at one of the local apartment complexes. And as we're pulling in, I'm just praying, like, God, what do you want to do in people's lives today? So I get out and start delivering groceries, and there's this lady that's coming out of her apartment into her car, and I said, hey, do you know anyone that could use some, some groceries? And she said, well, I could. So I carry them up to the door, and as I'm carrying the groceries, this word comes to my mind, left wrist. So I'm saying, hmm, I wonder what's, what's happening here. So I said, hey, are you having any problems with your left wrist? She said, no, I, am I supposed to? I said, no, no, really, but you're not. But sometimes when we're out doing this, just notice that God will give information, just will give that just to tell you, hey, I love you and I'm listening to you and, and I care about what's going on. I said, so I, I was just checking to see if that's what was happening for you. And she said, oh, that's, that's cool. And, well, I do have a shoulder problem. And I said, well, can I pray about your shoulder problem? And so we prayed and I said, well, check your shoulders. Oh, it still hurts and I got to go. And I said, okay, I'll see you. And so at that moment, it's like it wasn't that accurate of a word. But what happened is that by asking that question or, or operating on that hunch, it opened the door for a conversation where God can take that and just pour his love into that person's life. It gave an opportunity for God to work his love and to encourage the person. A little bit later in another encounter, my stomach started hurting. And I had no, had no previous pain and so I said, hey, I was wondering, are you having some stomach problems here or some pain on your left side? And the person said, yeah. And in that situation, we prayed and it was healed. Again, in the moment, God dropping in those hunches or that physical impression with the goal of encouraging the people with his love. Next is faith, the gift of faith. Faith is a surge of confidence in God that arises within a person facing an insurmountable situation or need. It's a surge of confidence in God that arises within a person facing, faced with an insurmountable situation or need. Throughout church history, we can read examples of people that have been ministering to orphans. And there's one particular story of a man that was leading a work among orphans that had millions and millions of dollars flow through his hands, and he died penniless. And his, his name was George Mueller. And George would, was the type of guy that he would gather all the, the workers together and all the, the children in his households, and they would pray, God, send food. Now, they may sit down at breakfast and have food in front of them. But after that food is gone, the cupboards are empty. But they would just pray, and he said, okay, children, we've prayed. We'll thank God for our food, and it's going to come. And about that time, someone would knock on his door, and there would be an abundance of food. And that happened day after day after day. And this insurmountable situation, this surge of confidence for one that is serving so many people. That's one example. A surge of confidence can also occur with healing. In Luke chapter 7, we read the story of this happening. There's a soldier who was well known within the Jewish community. He was not Jewish. He did not follow the one true God of Israel, but he had a great reputation. 
And he had heard about this man, Jesus, that was just healing people. And there was this stirring in his heart that Jesus is different. Jesus is worth following. And so he has these friends and he sends these friends to Jesus and saying, Hey, would you come over to my house? Because my friend who I love is really, really sick. And so Jesus hears these friends and he says, sure, I'll go with you. And so they head out toward the soldier's house. As Jesus is walking toward the house, the soldier sends some other friends to meet him and says, hey, Jesus, don't bother coming into our house. You see, our friend, the soldier, who is receiving commands and giving commands daily, is telling you, yes, his friend is still sick, but you don't have to come to his house. You just speak the word and he will be healed. You just command it from here, from this distance, and it'll be taken care of. And Jesus is like, wow, that's incredible confidence. And Jesus healed the man from the distance. But the gift that's in operation is with that soldier who is full of confidence that Jesus is about to do something pretty great. So that surge of confidence often accompanies gifts of healing. Gifts of healing is the actual event of healing itself, which a sick person receives. Is the actual event of healing itself, which a sick person receives. There are many types of illnesses. Thus, there are many gifts of healing. Morton Kelsey, in his book, Healing and Christianity, and it's an older book on the healing ministry, points that in the early history of the Baptist church in England and in the United States, the Baptist church was extremely effective in praying with individuals with mental illness. And they they documented healing after healing. And there was this incredible benefit to the community through the, the Baptist church. And so God releases different gifts of healing for that moment, whether it be physical illnesses or mental illnesses or relational illnesses, is that God will will deposit in that moment what's needed. Again, very closely related to gifts of healing are miraculous powers. Miraculous powers. Events in which people and things are visibly and beneficially affected by God's power. Events in which people and things are visibly and beneficially affected by God's power. Again, it's closely linked to healing. An example would be a person who is is blind, who would have just white sockets in his or her eyes. The working of miraculous powers would be beautiful coloring coming in and irises appearing where those white sockets are. Or the dead raising to life. Or in practical situations where if God doesn't come through, there's going to be some disappointment and hurt and pain. There's a story of a church in Mexico that fed people that literally lived on the garbage dump. And they brought enough food, which they thought was going to last for the day. And as they started passing out food, they began to realize they were going to run out of food because they hadn't brought enough sandwiches. And as they continued to pass out the sandwiches and started praying, God, you got to show up here. There's look at the line of people. And they continued to pass out sandwiches, sandwiches. And people kept coming and they got to the last person, handed the sandwich and all the food was gone. 
But for that particular moment, the food was multiplied, working in miraculous powers to meet a need. Then there's prophecy. And we'll continue to hear about this gift over the weeks, so I'm not going to speak a lot about prophecy, other than to remind us of the definition that we're working from. Prophecy is speaking the message God wants to give, speaking the message that God wants to give to an individual or to a group of people. So that's prophecy. Distinguishing between spirits or discernment of spirits is the supernatural capacity to know whether the motivating factor in a person is human, divine, or demonic. It's the capacity to know whether the motivating factor, what's driving the person, is human, divine, or demonic. Jesus modeled this discernment. And keep in mind that Jesus, fully God, fully man, operated in these spiritual gifts in the moment as we do. He modeled them for us. And there's an occasion that he's modeling this discernment of spirits as he's talking with his friends, his teaching, and people are getting to know him. It's a friend that brings his friend Nathaniel to Jesus, and Jesus sees him, and apparently Jesus had not known him prior. And Jesus looks up and says, hey, that guy is a decent guy. He is a really good guy. Some Bible translations say that here is a man there in whom there is no guile or no deceit. See, Jesus, through this gifting of discernment, is recognizing this man has a kind heart, an open heart, a person who is following after good things. And Jesus saw that through this gift. How many of you have attended a baptism and you're there and you're cheering and as people are coming out of the water and you see the person just smiling and there's almost like a glow or a peace just on that person's face. Have you seen that? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Others like, okay. For those of you that have noticed that, when you're seeing that look of peace or that glow, what you're seeing is is God's presence on that person. God is resting through the Holy Spirit on that person in that moment. And so you're observing that what's happening there is God's very presence. Or how many of you have been in a situation around some people or in a place where you go in and it just kind of feels creepy and you feel like, I don't want to be in here. And you feel like there's like this heaviness that's almost oppressive that you can't even breathe. And it's like, you got to get out of there because you don't feel like you belong. Can any of you relate to that? Okay. That is, that is a way that often we can discern that there is a demonic presence in that area. And as you notice, a lot of these gifts that I'm describing just come in a very matter-of-fact way. There's no spiritual gift coming in and coming. I have, I've never had that. If you have, I want to talk with you afterwards because I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. But again, they come very, very gently, but are very, very powerful. Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is the Holy Spirit inspired speaking of a language, the inspired speaking of a language, whether known or angelic, which is unlearned by a speaker. It's a a language, whether known or angelic, that is unknown to the speaker. In other words, the speaker, he or she, has not studied it. 
The gift of tongues is used privately in the person's own prayer time with God. It's this intimate communication that can occur between God and an individual. But the gift of tongues is also beneficial to a gathering like this in a public setting if it's added with an interpretation of tongues. So a gift of tongues that is given publicly must be accompanied by an interpretation of tongues. So tongues plus interpretation equals encouragement and strengthening. An interpretation of tongues, and we'll go into that definition, is means to give the sense of something. To give the sense of something. So if there is a public tongue that is given, then there's a waiting to, for the interpretation. And while the interpretation is not word for word, it is the context or the sense of what is being said. And the interpretation of tongues is always a prayer toward God, not a message from God. You with me on that? It is in the form of a prayer to God and not a message from God. That's the difference. And so it can be very, very encouraging if the two of those gifts are functioning together. Hey, we did it. We got through the entire list. You doing okay? Take a breath. Now, some of us like, phew, that was a lot of information. Now, others is like, that guy is weird, bizarre, and creepy. Because he's talking about things I don't, can't explain and I can't figure out. Maybe it's happened to me, but... But I want to remind us that we carry all Christ followers who have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We carry the very presence of the Holy Spirit. And we have the privilege of bringing the life of heaven to earth. And so much of this we may not understand. And so many of us wrestle with this whole thing of we have to figure everything out. We have to totally understand it or it's not valid. And so some of us live in that extreme. I have to have an explanation for everything. While others of us just live in this other realm. It's like, yeah, this, this is happening. So whatever happens, don't really need to understand it. It's just happening and it's hot stuff happening. And, but there's a middle place. There's a place where God wants to use our intellect, our emotions, our entire being. As we carry the very presence of God, he uses all of us. And he informs our minds. He informs our hearts. He opens both to receive from him in order to give it away. To give away the outpouring of God's love. That's what we're about. So how do we get started? Where do we go from here? Well, first we pray. Some of us, as we listen, it's like, wow, I don't totally get all of this, but something's stirring in my heart as I'm listening. That's the Holy Spirit just speaking to you and inviting you in that moment to, to open yourself to him. He wants to release these gifts into your lives. And as you step into situations, he's going to release those tools as you need them. Another thing we can do is practice. Is actually begin to act on what we sense is happening. One way is to come on Wednesday nights and the the meetings, the groups that we have on site. Get in there and listen and learn. And then practice sharing what you're hearing. Or tomorrow when you go to school or to work... As you're you're walking in the doors like, God, give me words of encouragement. Just as I relate to people, help me to see people as you see them. Give me words of encouragement. Just, just, hey, having a great day. Is that the Holy Spirit will energize that in that moment. Or if you're in a situation and you start having an unexplained physical pain, 
you kind of notice it and you do this argument with yourself, God, me, God, me, what's wrong with me, God. While you're having that argument with yourself, just take a deep breath and say, hey, I was wondering, are you having pain here? Ask it in form of a question. You see, by asking it in a form of a question, that's practice. And we don't hear God totally 100% clearly all the time. Like with the lady when I shared, I, I missed it. But that was okay because it opened up a door for further conversation. So if you ask the question, be tentative with, with sharing what you're sensing. And a person's going to think, hey, this person cares about me. So try that out. I'm going to invite Lee to come up. And we're going to move into the next part of our service. And as she's coming up, and as the worship band's coming up, I'd like for the rest of us just to take a moment and pray. And I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd invite you in your heart, if you are in agreement with it, to pray it after me silently. God, you want to use me, and thank you for that. And I want to be filled more and more with your presence. Just come fill me up right now. And I say yes to you. I say yes to the gifts that you want to release in my life. God, I want courage. And just free me from the fear right now, in Jesus' name, from the fear of stepping out and practicing. Just give me the courage to take that step tomorrow at work or at school, even with my family. I just say yes to you, Lord. And I recognize and say yes to carrying your presence because I do carry your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.